Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Lord. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. It is a blessing to see everybody here. Praise God. Um, Perdóname, por favor. Quiero ser sensible a lo que el Señor quiere hacer hoy. Así que solo voy a hablar en inglés esta mañana. Por favor, lo siento, por favor. Please forgive me. Um, if you guys want to know what I just said, don't worry about it. <laughs> Those that speak Spanish understood. <clears throat> Revelations 12 and 11 says this. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Woo. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to death. Over 20 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Amen. Over 20 years ago. And over 20 years ago, I began this journey through the door. The way. The life. Jesus Christ. If you guys recall, I, I preached on there's two sides of a cross. And, and on those two sides, you can't just take one side of the cross. You got to take the other. You can't just take one and say, oh, uh, Jesus is my Savior. No, but he also has to be your Lord. And I knew on that day when I stood in front of the altar and I said, this is it. It was a start of just going, getting into the door, but it was also a start of me going through the straight and narrow path. Now, I need to tell you this because uh, my straight and narrow path basically was called discipleship. So many people call discipleship a discipleship, but I'm talking about the kind of discipleship that we read in the Bible. I did not get saved because I was in trouble. I did not get saved because I was sad. I did not get saved because I was sick. I did not get saved because my life was a wreck. I became saved because I realized that I was a wretch. I became saved because I realized that uh, what manner of love is this that a man would lay down his life for a friend? That Jesus Christ was on the cross and he bore all my shame and all my sins and what more could I do? 
but to give my life to him, the man that gave his life for me. All my sins past, present, and the ones that I've done that I don't even know that I've done already. Why not give my life to Christ? And after three years, listen to me, after three years of discipleship, three years, I'm not realizing three years. Three years, a man at the time named Michael Harry came to me. We were at work. We are in the military. And he began to tell me things that nobody else knew. He began to prophesy to me the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he began to tell me stuff about my grandmother. He told me about my sisters. He told me things that I've never told anybody in my life, even to this day. Things that I would ashamed of or even say, but he knew it. How would he know these things? Words of knowledge. And to hear that, he, I, I was afraid. And then he says to me, he says, man, you ready to give your life to Christ? And I looked at him and I said, Nope, I ain't ready. I said, but when I do give my life to Christ, I'm going to go all in. Because that's the kind of guy I am. I'm going to give my everything. So then, eventually, I'm not trying to make this a long story because it can be. It'd be a good one, too. But I started coming to church, and I'm... Uh, you know, after the club on Saturday nights, because in D.C., the clubs didn't close until about 6. So I get home just enough time after eating to get into the to church. I don't know what drew me into church. I, I was going to a church that, listen, you guys, people were, they were dressed to impress. Everybody dressed right. Um, you know, women weren't wearing earrings, and, and they wore skirts and all kinds of stuff. And, but yet, there was a, 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 a place that loved me. And then the funny part about it, the name of the church was called the Love of Christ Church. And they loved on me for who I was. They loved me for the tattoos. on. They didn't sit down and talk about how I need to dress. They didn't talk about where I came from. They just knew that I, they were happy to see me in the place. And after weeks and weeks, I kept going and kept going. And I would sit in the back. And, of course, I'm smelling like alcohol and tobacco and, and all kinds of stuff. And I, I had habits because I was in the military. But I kept going. And then from one, it went from just being there on Sunday. And then all of a sudden, well, I might show up on Tuesday night. And then this would happen. And I would be there, guys. I, I was being in church. And things were happening. But one day, I'm trying to hear, tell you that the, the preacher was preaching, Bishop uh, Carvery Point, Point Dexter. And he's speaking a word, and then all of a sudden, I'm sitting in the back, and all of a sudden, his words hit me like a glass being broke. I didn't realize at this moment it was my heart, that the, the fallow ground of my heart was being broken because the word of God kept hitting me and hitting me and hitting me. And then all of a sudden, I'm just telling you guys, I'm not trying to make you guys feel bad for, for where you sit at, but... I don't know about you, but when I go to the movies, I want to get into a good seat. And I get into a good seat because I want to hear everything and see everything. But when I know when I was sitting in the back, it seems like I want to get closer. And I wanted to get closer. And then like every week, I would get closer. And before I know it, I was sitting in the second row. And I just I got hungry and thirsty for the word. And I, I started doing different things. And I was trying to help out. And all of a sudden, I, I'm in church every other day. And everything's going on. You guys, listen, I, I just, there's, there's a point to all this. But just, just follow me. 
Then I remember one day as I was sitting down right where, where Karina was sitting and at the Love of Christ Church, and there was a, a, a man that was there, and he was, he was an evangelist, and he was preaching, and, and I could identify him, and he talked about his life on the streets back in the 50s and heroin and all kinds of stuff. And I was like, man, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I get that with drug dealing and, and all kinds of being shot at, and, and I was identifying with him. And he just kept saying a whole bunch of stuff. And all of a sudden, I knew at that point in time, at that moment, that particular time, don't get me wrong, months I've sat in church, months I was serving, months I was doing all this stuff, but I wasn't saved until that time. I need you to hear this. Just because I was saved, just because I was in the seat, just because I was serving doesn't mean that I was saved at that point. But there was a point when the word of God struck my heart. And as it says in the books of Acts, they says they were pricked in their hearts. And I could not sit still. I'm, I'm, I'm rocking back and forth. And all of a sudden, I could see the, 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 the guys, <laughs> security, looking at me like, okay, he crazy now. He, he done. He crazy. And I'm just rocking back and forth because I couldn't wait to get to the altar. And I'm just running back and forth. And as I'm sitting there, I'm waiting for Because, you know, this is a traditional church. Because at that point in time, they go, the doors of the church are open. And the, and the pastor would come down up front, and he'd have two deacons, and he'd raise his hands up. So, you know, as soon as he come, came off of the altar and sat down, and he, and, I mean, stood there, and he put his hands up, I ran up to him. But I ran up to him so fast that security even couldn't get to me that fast. And I ran up to his face, and he was a very short man. And let me tell you something. He wasn't scared at all. He didn't flinch. He didn't do nothing. He just stood there with his hands, and I ran up to him, and I said, this is it. There wasn't a prayer to be said. There wasn't nothing else but me to look at him and the confession of my mouth and believing in my heart that Jesus Christ was Lord. My prayer was this. This is it. Nothing else matters to this moment. Listen to my declaration. Nothing else matters. This is it. The man looks at me, he goes, he laughs, he goes, son, I know it is. And we prayed. And this was the beginning of my journey. This is when the discipleship happened. This is when Pastor Michael Harry, who's pastor right now, uh, took me by the hand and began to disciple me. Now, when I say disciple me, I mean literally. He would show me things. As he would tell me how to study. He'd tell me how to walk. He'd talk to me. He'd call me. He wouldn't leave me alone. He, he would sit there and use the gifts of God to, to kind of bring me back in line to with what God was calling in my life. Three years. Three years. He discipled me. And then the Lord called me to come back to California. And then when I get to California, praise God. I met a beautiful woman. Praise the Lord. The love of my life. Pastor Kaya came into my life. Life was good. Life was great. God was blessing me because I was obedient. I was a giver. I did all kinds of great things. I'm leaving a whole bunch of stuff out. But I'm here to tell you that God will bless you in certain seasons. So you know who he is. 
God doesn't just want you to see him for his hand and what he could do for you. He just wants you to see the fact is, I'm, I want you to believe me because there's some things in your life that I'm going to need to get you ready for. I'm going to show you little things. I might give you blessings here. I might give you this. You might get a car. You might get a house. You may even get a wife. But I'm here to tell you, guess what? These are things. And I'm showing you my hand right now so that when times of trouble come, that you will have faith in me and not have faith in those things. So we'll skip ahead and God's blessing me and Kai and I got married and, and um, man, we had all kinds of money. Kai was making great money. I was making good money and, and we bought a house and all kinds of cars. Everything was great and, and I was loving the Lord and was serving in my local church and I remember driving to my work and of course I get there early because I wanted to see the sun come up. And as the sun was coming up, I got on my knees and I would do my devotionals. And as I'm on my knees, I began to praise God. And as I was praising God and the sun was coming up, I was sitting there and all of a sudden the word of the Lord came to me. And I'll never forget these words. He said, John... This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified. This sickness is not unto death. Now, if you, some of you guys know, it's in, in chapter John, John chapter 11, when... Um, uh, Lazarus was sick and everybody told Jesus and you guys know the whole story about that and everybody knows and I said okay God at this point in time right now somebody in my family's sick and I began to cry out to God just crying out to God God who is it in the name of Jesus I, I send your word and they are healed in the name of Jesus Lord I thank you that by your stripes they are healed and I did not realize at this point and at that moment God wasn't talking about somebody in my family God was talking to me so that day, I go down to my work. It's time to work. And I had a, a quick appointment because that's where I worked at the VA, at the hospital. I had a quick appointment. They had to do uh, some stuff on my heart. And all of a sudden, they look at my heart. And the lady looks at me, and she goes, have you ever fainted before? I was like, no. She goes, you have high blood pressure? I said, no. She goes, well, you look like you're in great shape. I said, I am. Which me. So she stopped and she calls in a cardiologist. Cardiologist comes in, looks at my heart. He goes, something's wrong here. So he takes me in, starts doing a whole bunch of different tests. Usually most people can't get this kind of favor, but because I work there, I'm able to get all these tests like in one day. And they're like, uh, something's going wrong. We're not going to talk to you about it, but we got to send you to Sacramento to go ahead and do some other tests. So they did an angiogram, went in my heart. Finally, this is when they told me, look, you're sick. And the problem that you have is called idiopathic dilated cardiomyopathy, which means your heart is enlarged and isn't pumping right. Matter of fact, I don't even know how you're even able to, to sit here how bad your heart is. At the time, my heart was operating at 23%. 23%. But yet, I'm able to run. I'm able to do different things. I'm able to have fun and, and walk and run and do all kinds of things. And I was like, man, God... Why would this happen to me? 
Why would this happen to me as a pastor? Why would this happen to me as a man of God? I've been faithful, God. And all I could hear was, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. It was weird that this scripture had stuck with me for all these years. And even in those years, um, this is, you know, I found this out. I was sick. I found this out in 2009. And there's been times I've been to the hospital because I have heart failure, which means I'm retaining fluid. And I have to go sit in the hospital for a couple of times. All of this kind of stuff that happened to me and everything else like that. And I began to sit down and think like, God, why me? Is anybody, anybody ever asked God, why me? You've done everything that you're supposed to do. You give, you've given, you've served, you've prayed, you've fasted, you've shown fruits of the Spirit, but still, God, why me? began to sit back and think the day after I got saved I started feeling like the Apostle Paul and <laughs> when the Apostle Paul first got converted the Bible says this he said for I will make clear this is what the Lord said about his servant I will make it clear to him how much he must suffer and endure for mine's namesake. We, we forget that, don't we, saints? We're so busy looking for blessings that we don't realize that there's more about suffering than there is about blessing. God will show you in every one of us how much we must suffer for his namesake. Whew. So here we are. We're going to speed this up. I had a heart condition. First attack on my body was my heart. Been in the hospital quite a few times. Now let's talk about 2020. 2020, I had heart failure again. Had been in the hospital. Had to go, stay there. It's, of course, you guys know Covisha's running around. She running. So I had heart failure a couple of times. Then all of a sudden, I had a stroke. If you guys don't know that this week, praise God, is my anniversary of my first stroke. I'm going to tell you about my first stroke. I woke up in the morning not even talking about I'm worried about my father-in-law because he just got out of the hospital with corona he just got out of the hospital he got out of the hospital the day before the anniversary of my mother-in-law's departure to go to be to heaven so he gets home he was he really wanted to be at home he didn't want to be in the hospital at the same hospital where his, he knew his wife was going to be. We all felt the, the struggle. But then Papa gets home. We're so happy that Papa's home. And then the next morning, I get up to go work out. And when I get up and work, go to work out, I just didn't know what was going on. I, I knew something wasn't right. I'm walking around. I, I couldn't remember what I was doing. I was 
walking around, I kept saying, something's not right. Something's not right. And what's odd is my kids usually aren't up during that time because I'm usually up early at 5.30 a.m. to go work out. So I walk downstairs, and my son Judah follows me downstairs. And I don't know. I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to be doing? And I go to press the code to get outside, the, the alarm code, and I couldn't remember the code. So Judah put the code in, and I go outside, and I stand in the garage. And I'm like, okay, wait, what am I, what am I doing? What am I supposed to be doing? And I looked at him, and I said, go get your mom. And he goes to get his mom. Kaya and I walk upstairs. I look at Kaya, and I told Kaya, I said, call the ambulance. Something's wrong. By the time the ambulance got there, I began to lose my speech. I couldn't remember people's names. I couldn't remember what day it was. I couldn't remember uh, how to say the day. You guys understand, I couldn't talk. It got to a point where I, I would know a few things to say. I couldn't tell you what, what the speaker was. I would say, I didn't know if it was a chair. I didn't know if this was a table. I didn't know anything else like that. I just, I knew what it was by looking at it, but I knew, I, I just somehow I couldn't articulate. I couldn't speak. And so now I'm not able to speak and they send me and they leave. Now, now you guys understand something. Um, this is in the middle of COVID. I go to the hospital. I can't tell them anything about me. I can't tell them nothing. And there's nobody to advocate for me because she's not, my wife is not allowed in the hospital. Now I'm sharing this with you so you can understand what happened. So while I'm laying in the hospital, they're asking me all kinds of questions, but I can't tell them anything because I'm like, and it's frustrating. The only thing I knew to say was Jesus. I call my wife. I might be saying a couple of words, and she would say something, and I, and I told her, I remember one of the things that I could say is that God is good. That night, I got off the phone with her. I was trying to sleep, and as I'm sleeping, I wake up with an excruciating pain in my abdomen. I'm yelling out, but nobody can hear me because I can't talk. Finally, a nurse comes in. They wheel me down to, to, to CAT scan, and while I'm at CAT scan, they take a CAT scan of my stomach and come to find out that the blood clot that went to my brain to keep me from speaking, there was other blood clots that went into my abdomen. And when it went into my abdomen, it, it, it blocked the blood flow to my left kidney, to my spleen, and to my colon. So now at this point, the doctors come in and go, man, bad shape. So this is what's going to happen. The doctor's talking to me. This is what we're going to have to do. You could live without a kidney. You could live without your spleen. But your colon, we're going to have to do something about that. We are going to prep you for surgery, and we're going to give you a colostomy bag. What am I going to say? There's nothing I can say because I don't understand everything. But I thank God that for some reason my wife called that morning and was trying to figure out what was going on because my wife advocated for me. I'm going somewhere. 
And she began to advocate on my behalf and telling the doctors, no, you're not going to touch my husband. And then she gets on the phone. She's like, I'm calling everybody. She gets on the phone. She gets on Facebook. She's sending text messages. Everybody that knows the word of prayer begin to pray for Pastor John and his healing. She didn't, she didn't care. She just made sure that whoever knew the word of prayer, that people began to pray. And then she said, that doctor that said that, he sits there and tells my wife, listen, I understand that right now your, your husband's sick, but as far as him ever getting a heart transplant, you can forget it. Because he's going to be sick. We'll just count his days. He'll get a colostomy bag. That's it. God said, oh, no, no. In Jesus' name, no. You're fired. Get somebody else up there. This is true. So the chief of surgery shows up. Not another doctor. The chief of surgery shows up and says, okay, we'll handle it. We'll just wait and see. Kai became an advocate when I didn't know what to say. I believe the Bible says when you don't know what to say, the spirit itself will begin to give you utterances. See, God will bring people in your life to advocate for you. There is an advocator in your life that isn't just a spirit in your, in your life. There's somebody else that has the spirit of God that's still able to talk and pray for you. So then, as we know, is that God began to heal me. My speech began to come back. Everything was going great. Um, they, they finally let me go. And, and, you know, I was still stuttering and, and really, really bad. I started losing my confidence because I couldn't talk. I couldn't remember things. I, it was hard for me to do uh, stuff with my kids because I'm a real smart guy. But now, now that I've had that brain injury, I can't, I can't add things. I can't do stuff. I, it's hard for me to explain. I'm, I'm terrible at charades now. My wife is, she gets crazy because I can't remember words. So she just has to sit there and, But so after that, after that stroke, I'm getting healed, I'm, things are going well, and then all of a sudden, I get heart failure again. So with a heart failure, I got to go back in the hospitals right after my mom's birthday. I get in there, when I'm in the hospital, for some reason, they go, hey, can we check you for COVID? I'm like, yeah, it's about the 10th time, just try it. Boom. I got COVID. So now I'm in the hospital, got COVID, and I got heart failure. I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, come on. What else can happen? So we get home. I was asymptomatic. Praise the Lord. Got home, did everything. My doctor, my, I have um, cardiologists. They call. They say, look, we want to check you out. They take me out to uh, Palo Alto. So I get to Palo Alto. As I get to Palo Alto, they said, we want to do an angiogram on you. So Kai and I get out there. We're, 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 we're trying to work with everything, listen to what they're saying. And all of a sudden, this is what they say to me. Look. We just did the study. Looks like your heart's doing great. Amen. Praise God. Even after everything you've done, your heart is looking good. And not only that, the doctor looks, now this is the top surgeon in this area, looks and says, you know what? You have inspired me to watch you and your wife be together as close as you guys are has inspired me because I see so many couples that come in here that don't love on each other and do everything else. This is what the doctor is saying. There's a testimony that they were seeing about togetherness and love. And I was like, praise God. Hallelujah. So Kai and I was celebrating. We get in the car and we drive back. 
all the way back to Fairfield, and I'm excited. I get on online, and I'm starting playing video games with, with Deacon Ruben and them, and we're playing, having a good time, and I get off, and I go to bed with Kaya, and as I'm laying in bed, I fall asleep, and then I wake up because I'm getting ready to go work out, and as I wake up, I'm like, man, it's dark. And I said, Kaya, are the lights on? She goes, what? I said, are the lights on? She goes, no, the lights are on, but I could see the lights coming through the shades. I said, there's light coming through the shades? She goes, yes. And I said, call the ambulance. I'm blind. This was my second stroke. I couldn't see anything. I had lost my sight. Can you imagine waking up, being blind? God healed me through that old thing. He restored back to me my sight. He restored back to me my speech. He's always guarded and kept my heart. But there's one thing that I lost through all this, all this trauma. And this is what I really want to speak to you guys today about. Through all this, I lost my confidence. I lost who I was. And I couldn't remember who I was. I lost the fact that I was a pastor. I lost the fact that I wasn't a father, a husband. I lost all this. Even though I still had the title, I didn't feel as if I wasn't functioning in that title. Because as a pastor, you have to have vision. As a pastor, you have to have heart. As a pastor, you have to have speech. But all these things were attacked. And when that was attacked, I began to lose who I was. And when I began to lose who I was, I lacked confidence. I lacked that godly confidence of what God made me and who he made me to be. And I started diving into fear. And when I dove into fear, fear has a lot of friends. I want you guys to listen to me today. Fear has a lot of friends. Fear has anxiety. Fear has depression. Fear has all kinds of mind games that happens to us. And can I just be honest today? Because I believe it says that uh, we overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of his testimony. I'm here to share with every one of you that are within the sound of my voice today that I've been dealing with some things. I've been dealing with stuff that most people want to hide in their heart. I want to deal with some of the stuff because I'm going to expose myself so that I can expose the lie of the enemy. I am so sick and tired of us as people of God walking around because God said, I did not give you the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I, I need a sound mind. 
My identity wasn't locked up in being a pastor. My identity wasn't locked up in being a father. My identity wasn't locked up in being a brother. My identity wasn't locked up to to being whatever else it is. My identity came from Jesus Christ himself. He said, behold, what manner of love is this that God has bestowed upon us that he would call us the sons of God. He gave me the title of son of God before anything else. And when I have the title of son of God, then I will be confident of who I am. And when I have the confidence, then I'll get the peace that surpasses all understanding. But saints of God, I want to share with you what fear has done to us as believers. I stand before you. Not ashamed to be clinically diagnosed with anxiety disorder. Clinically diagnosed with PTSD. Clinically diagnosed with depression. What you mean, Pastor? You? Yes, me. We sit down and we hold on to these things so much. And we look for everything else to try to help us to get out of these, these, these situations in life. But Jesus Christ came. Came for us to have the peace that surpasses all understanding. Why? Because we're so, so caught up in fear. Because it starts with fear. Luke chapter 21 and 26 says this, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. Think about it. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Men's hearts failing them for fear, for looking after those things which are coming on earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Listen, in the absence of faith, there's always fear. When we put faith, our faith into question, or rather when a situation or circumstance, we have the confidence that our situation or circumstance will work out for our good. Faith is saying this, I may not get what I expect, but I know I'm going to get what's best for me. That's faith. But we have this thing called what if. Do you guys know what if? Can I, let me help you out. What if I get the coronavirus? What if I get the vaccination? What if I don't get the vaccination? What, what if, what if my, somebody's sick? What if, what, what if, what if I get in a car wreck on the way to church? What if, what if, what if I don't make it? What if I fail? What if I'm wrong? What if I get hurt again? What if I die? What if, what if, what if? What if has brought us into a point where we are not even relying on the little bit of faith, the mustard seed of faith that God has given us? 
Faith is having a confidence in our outcome. Faith is saying, I know what I want, but at the end of it all, God has control of the situation and he is going to work it out for my good. I can't explain it. I can't add it up. All I know is he said, according to Jeremiah 29 and 11, I know the thoughts that I have or think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. When we have the absence of faith, we have fear. Fear comes from not knowing the outcome. Why are you afraid? Now, what Jesus said to the disciples on the boat, why were you so fearful? Why were you afraid? Because you didn't know the outcome. And usually when you don't know the outcome, it's because you don't know who you're with. Don't you realize that Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Do you guys realize that fear causes more misery than all the sin and sickness in our lives combined? We are not sick all the time. We're not sinning all the time. But most people are afraid of something or somebody all the time. We will watch more news and get more afraid than watching The Exorcist late at night. There's so many people in the Bible that have gone through all kinds of despair. There have been times in my life, and, and I'm sharing this with you because there are times that, that I deal with depression for no reason. I think it has something to do with the stroke. But I sit down and there's times, and, and my, my father-in-law sees it sometimes. He, he'll look at me and he can see that I'm not, I'm not here. He can tell me, he looks like he's, he's not here. My wife always looks at me and she goes, where are you at? What's going on? Now, now, not to digress, but I have to say that, do you realize this, this is why you have the family of God? This is why you have growth groups? You guys hear me? Because there's times that you get depressed. And when you have a growth group, you have people, you have a support group that you can call upon. See, these people are going to be close to you. It doesn't just, it just, growth groups isn't just about sitting down and watching a video. Growth groups is about calling, praying for one another, rejoicing when each rejoice, mourn when others mourn. We got to learn and hear the Spirit of God, an advocate to look at somebody and learn to pray for them during their times. So as I'm sitting there, there's times that I just wake up in the morning and, and, and my wife looks at me and she says this, how are you feeling this morning? And I get to the point where I just got to be honest with her. I don't know how I'm feeling right now. I don't know how I'm feeling. We'll see. But it's no excuse for me to dive into misery. Can you guys hear me? There's no excuse. I'm, I'm, I'm praying that some of you guys are listening to what I'm saying. Because, you know, everybody gets de depressed sometimes. And I'm not saying that you're, you know, clinically depressed, but everybody gets depressed sometimes. But sometimes we slide off into depression and we don't have nobody to go to. Don't you guys realize that in the Bible, there were many men and women of God that went into depression? You look at Dave was troubled all the time. David. In many of the Psalms, he writes in anguish and in loneliness, in fear of the enemy. 
His heart cry over sin and the guilt, the struggle that he had with some of his sin. You guys know everything about David. We also see that there was a huge grief in the loss of his children and the sin that his kids did. Elijah, the prophet, he was discouraged. He was weary and afraid. He said this in, in 1 Kings 19 and 4. He says, I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am not better than my ancestors. Elijah, the greatest prophet ever, wanted to die. Jonah, he was angry and wanted to run away. He said, now, oh Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Do you guys hear what I'm saying? That the saints of God even had that, that thing of death cross their mind. Even after God reached out to Jonah with great compassion, Jonah still said, am I angry enough to die? And you guys know about Job. Job suffered through all kinds of great loss. He suffered through all kinds of, of, of physical illness. This righteous man of God literally lost everything. So great was his suffering and tragedy that even his own wife looked at him and said, man, I don't know what you did, but you need to curse God and die. You ever have people around you in your life that want to sit down and look at you like, man, what did you do? Huh? Just because your life is looking like it's going in a hell in a handbasket, they want to sit down and try to tell you, man, you must have done something. You need to look at your plate and see you don't have to even be going through stuff in your life to think that you're doing, I mean, something wrong in your life. Sometimes just the world itself can give you a whole lot of trouble. I wish I had an amen with somebody up in here. But Job maintained his faithfulness to God throughout his life. He still struggled deeply through the trenches of pain. He said, why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? He also said, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Even Moses himself was grieved over the sins of the people. Jeremiah wrestled with this great loneliness feeling of defeat and insecurity. He said, cursed is the day that I was born. Now, I don't even ask you to for you to raise your hand right now. But there's people in here right now that look at themselves and go, I don't even know why I was born. Even Jesus himself was deeply anguished over what was before him. Isaiah said this, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Do you guys understand what acquainted with grief was? That means he was familiar with it. You guys know like, oh, I have a friend. He's an acquaintance. Jesus was acquainted with grief. He had to deal with grief. He knew of it. 
even Jesus, when he was going in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, my soul is sorrowful unto death. What he was saying is, I am so depressed that I feel like dying, but I'm going, listen to what happens. I am going up yonder and pray to the Father. I wish I had a couple of praying people up in here. Because you get so bogged down with depression and fear and loneliness that we forget to pray. Come on, wake up, saints. We are crying out to the wrong people. We are crying out to the voices that are not talking to us, but there is a God that will listen to us. We got to learn to leave some people alone. Look, I need you to pray, honey. I love you. I want you and the kids to pray. I want the pastors to pray. I want the saints to pray. But there has to come a time in your life that you got to leave away from everybody else and go up yonder to pray. Get on your knees and start sweating blood. Look, Lord, if there be any other way, let this cup pass. But nevertheless, your will, not mine. Depression, anxiety, fear. So, Pastor John, what, how do you deal with it? What do you do? What's going on? I, I can tell you all kinds of things about You want to look at what I'm doing? I'm just trying to tell you what you need to do. You can look at my example, but I will, share, I will share with you. There are things, there are days, there are moments in my life that I do feel depressed. There's been times that I, 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 just, I just can't get there. There's, there's those times that I feel bogged down, but I do know one thing, that the Lord Jesus Christ is with me. He said he would never leave me nor forsake me. I need you guys to hear something. Even though I've had all kinds of things going on in my mind, even though I'm not as smart as I used to be, even though I can't, I'm not as articulate as I used to be, I know that God has got a purpose and a plan for my life. And he's got a purpose and a plan for your life. So I got to keep my focus and my eye on the prize. Forgetting those things which behind me and stretching forward to the higher calling of Christ Jesus. Now I say this to you, so that we know the vices of the enemy. We know what he wants. He's always throwing stuff at us. But I have to tell you guys this. Luke chapter 9 and 23 is what Jesus said. Then he said to them, all, let me, let me say this again. Then he said to them, all, not some of them, all. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. This is not an option. This is a command. First, you must have a desire to come after Jesus. See, some have a desire 
to use Jesus as a door for an opportunity in your life. <laughs> Some of us want to get, you know, like things are bad in your life. You're, you're lonely. Or you, you needed a house. Or you needed a job. And things happen. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the government, I'm sorry, your, your God, or your gov- whatever you call it, we look towards them to get us out of problems. But we start going and say, look, Jesus, I have a desire to come after you. He said, if anybody comes after me, right? He said, pick up your cross. After you have the desire, then you got to pick up your cross. Pick up that cross and then start following him. I need to let you guys know this. Jesus will never have you just pick up a cross and walk around with it. Jesus didn't walk around with a cross. He picked up a cross to take it to a place where he knew he was going to be crucified at. So you didn't understand that. Because he said you need to do this daily. There is a place of crucifixion. There is a place of Golgotha. There is a place that you need to be, pick up your cross, walk up that hill, lay on that cross, and l- listen, you can't, most of the time, when you're getting crucified, it ain't going to be to yourself because Jesus had to lay down and other people had to crucify him on that cross. So God is saying, if you're going to do this daily, pick up your cross, go to Golgotha, crucify And then do just like Jesus did. He said, it is finished. Daily. And then the next day, you got to pick up your cross again and take it to another place. God, come on. As I get ready to close, Matthew 10 and 38 says this. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not Worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy. You guys hearing me? (laughs) There's no way in this discipleship walk that you cannot, there's no way that you can walk without a cross. All of us in here got a cross to bear. There's some of us in here right now. You're sitting sitting next to somebody you love and you think you know, but you have no idea the turmoil and the suffering and the mental anguish that they're going through right now. It's not your fault. It's okay. You've been bearing a cross for a long time. Because you've been bearing that cross, God sees you. Do you guys know that even Jesus Christ himself allowed somebody to help him carry his cross? Some of us in here have neglected to help our brothers and sisters, our loved ones, help them carry their cross. We need to learn to deny ourselves, to esteem ourselves higher than the next person. 
to help them with their cross. Because that same person that you're helping with their cross, guess what? They might be the same person that's going to help you with your cross. Luke 14 and 27 says, And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You've been calling yourself a disciple, but you ain't picked up your cross. Then you ain't a disciple of Jesus. You're a disciple, but not a Jesus. You can learn all the words you want. You can do as many works you want. But if you ain't picking up your cross, you are not Jesus Christ's disciple. So today, I wanted to just open up my life to share with you that even as a man, just like you, I have troubles. Just because I have the title pastor doesn't exempt me from the same suffering. Because Jesus Christ himself, if you guys remember, he was acquainted with grief. Not only that, Jesus Christ said, you know what? Be a good cheer. Be a good cheer. Because I've overcome the world. And if he's overcome the world, then you're going to be an overcomer with him. You guys with me. I'm so tired and sick of this stuff and all this mental health issue that's going on because you know what? We may be dealing with it because right now there's people in here that may have cancer. And you're wondering, well, what about me? I'm sorry. Whatever God has for you is for you. But I do know one thing, that God will give you the grace enough to get through it. But through this... God can get glorified through your cancer, through your mental illness, through your issue, through your situation. God can get the glory. Through my life should be this. God, whatever it is, whatever you have for me, whatever bridge I need to cross, I want you to get the glory. I'm sorry I didn't want to tell you about blessings and, 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 and nice things but this is what it's like to be a disciple. How some of the saints that, that came before us in the first church were, were crucified. They were hung and sawed asunder and they were burnt and they were sacrificed and all kinds of things. Why? For the sake of God. What makes us think that we can't be the same way in the church in America? It's not about me. It's about bringing God glory. Pastor John, how do you do it? Well, this is how I do it. I pray. I, I, I stay with my support group, my support group, growth groups. I have people pray for me. I am open. God gives grace to the humble. Do you hear me? You can't get help and let you have not because you ask not and because you don't ask you, get it, you, you don't get what you need. God says, 
Submit yourself under the hand, mighty hand of God that he may exalt you, lift you up in due season. God said, under the mighty hand of God, the mighty hand of God has five fingers. The number of grace is five. Five. If you want grace in the hand of God, you better hum uh, humble yourself so that he can lift you up in due season. You are not defined by your mental illness. You're not defined by your sickness. You're not defined by what your sin was. You are defined by the love of Christ when he called you a son or a daughter. So right now, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to release this prayer I don't know how God wants to speak but I'm going to ask everybody to stand up I want anybody that's been dealing with any mental health issues, depression anxiety, fear Whatever has been plaguing you in your mind, I want you to come to the altar. this light shining in our hearts but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure this makes it clear that our great power is from God and not of ourselves listen closely we are pressed on every side by troubles but we are not crushed we are perplexed but not given into despair we are hunted down but never abandoned by God we are knocked down but we are not destroyed through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. We live under the constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus Christ will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And God's grace reaches more and more 
people. There will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory for your sake. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you right now for everyone that is at your altar. I thank you that the fires of the altar have not gone out. Lord, they present themselves right now as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto Jesus Christ, which is their reasonable service. And Lord, I come against every fear, every anxiety that is plaguing the people of God right now. Lord, let this mind be in them that is also in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you did not give them the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Lord, I thank you even during this time that we will look unto you who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Faith, that we will acknowledge you, that you will direct our path. Lord, I thank you for the sound mind that you've given us. Lord, I thank you for your spirit, the advocate. I thank you for speaking to us right now. Lord, I come against every chatter, every word of the enemy. I, I cancel it out right now in the name of Jesus. Every lie that has come against your people of God. Lord, I thank you that it is so and that it said, has been said. God, I thank you for strength. Lord, I thank you right now. Lord, that everything that people have even said, not just the enemy, but people that have come against the people of God. I thank you right now, Lord, that your word shall speak into their hearts, that you will remind them of everything that has been said. I thank you right now, Lord, for every word that has been written in your book. Lord, I thank you even right now that we will take this word that we heard today, we will hide it in our hearts. Lord, we say that our minds are clear. Lord, that we are not shaped by depression or despair. Lord, that even during the times of sorrow, that we will find joy in the morning. Lord, I thank you that there is dancing in the morning. God, I thank you that you have given us joy in our hearts unspeakable joy. Lord, I thank you for those things in our lives. Lord, that when we are in a, a, a pit of despair, that Lord, you have given us a place to worship you. Lord, you have told us to think upon these things. Anything of good report. Anything that is good, that's holy, that's pure. We will think upon these things, Lord. We will think upon our families. We will think upon our loved ones. We will think upon our church. We will think upon Jesus Christ. We will think about the love of God that you have given us. We'll think about the spirit of God in our hearts. Lord, we will think about on all these things. Then the peace that surpasses uh, uh, shall come and uh, encompass us. We thank you, Lord. Lord, I come against manic depression right now. I come against any variance. Lord, I come against hallucinations in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Lord, I thank you that all your people will be of good courage because you have overcome the world that we shall have faith and strength with you in our hearts to overcome anything that is before us. We claim victory. Lord, we, de we declare victory in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are not defined by what the doctor says. We are not defined by what the psychiatrist says. We are not defined by what anybody else says. We are not defined by what the news says, Lord, but we are children of God. We have laid our minds. Once again, we say, let this mind be in us who is also in Christ Jesus. Lord, that we may have the mind of Christ, that you may instruct us in your word. So we thank you for this, Lord. We grieve for this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Somebody seal this praise, this prayer of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in our hearts. You said that we have overcome him by the blood of the lamb. So we shed and put the blood of the lamb over our lives, over our minds, over our hearts. Lord, and we thank you for the word of our testimony. Lord, that we are not ashamed of the testimony that you have given us, Lord. I will declare unto the people and the nations of the goodness of God in all my life. Just as David said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I thank you, God, right now. Lord, I thank you for the word of my testimony. Lord, that others shall, shall be set free set free and every time that I tell my testimony is another time that I'll be set free it's another time that I'll take a step forward of healing and prosperity so we thank you for this Lord Lord that this sickness is not unto death but it is for the glory of God that you may be glorified thereby. We thank you. Somebody just give God a shout right where you're at. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. we thank you so much you guys please if you want to stay at the altars and worship you guys there's if you want to kneel whatever you want to do there's pillows for your knees and it's things you just want to cry out to God for listen this is this is my instruction don't be so proud that you can't get help. Professional help when it comes to my mental illness. 
God is a preserver of your mind. He is a preserver of your mind. But there are people that can help you along the way. God is our source. Doctors are a resource. Counselors are a resource. Medicine is a resource. Do you hear me? The second thing I want to say to you is go to a growth group, a support person. Get connected and speak and talk and share. It's not about going to somebody's house and watching a video. It's about growing together. Growing together so that when I hurt, somebody else hurts. When I'm, when I'm happy, somebody else is happy. We could pray for each other. We could get through this together. We are going to get through this together. And remember to give God the glory that he deserves. Amen. Amen. Let's pray us out. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for meeting us here today. Lord, I thank you once again that we are able to overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Lord, we thank you also, Lord, for every person hears testimony, that they don't have to be ashamed of their testimony. Lord, even today, let them tell somebody. You don't have to, Lord, we thank you that we don't have to wait until the finished work is done, that we could tell people about what your God is doing in their lives, what you've done in their lives, and what you're about to do in their lives. So we thank you for that. God, we thank you for being with us as we leave this place. You said you would never leave us nor forsake us. Give us traveling mercies to get whatever to our places appointed. God, and I thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and dwells into our hearts richly. We love you so much. We give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise in the mighty magnificent in matchless name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. 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 That's all the time we have for this episode of the Annex Podcast. But we encourage you to get connected with us by downloading and using our TBCF app today. Or you can visit our website at tbcf.life. That's tbcf.life. Until next time, thanks for stopping by to the Annex Podcast.